Welcome to the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our Saturday night service on January 30th. This message is entitled, Naturally Supernatural. And in this message, we're going to be looking into kind of spiritual disciplines and and the role they play in connecting believers to God and kind of what the goal is for spiritual disciplines in the Christian life because quite often I think we kind of miss the point of what discipline is supposed to do in our life as Christ followers. If you check out our website, we'll also have some links to, we're showing a clip on this, Uh, we'll have the complete link to on our website, and we'll also have a link to a PDF file, which uh, we reference at the end of this message, so you can check that out. Thanks for listening. January is an interesting time of the year, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a lovely time of the year where you have a couple of things kind of converging, and they, they make us do interesting things as Americans. January is the start of a new year. And so as the start of the new year, we find that we want to do new things. Do you, do you ever try to do new things in January? Like, hey, it's just a new year. I'm going to try. And then the other kind of thing that kind of coincides with that is that January comes at the end of the fall. And I know why they call it the fall, because it's usually when you fall off the ba- band, you know, not the bandwagon, <laughs> you fall off the wagon concerning diet and exercise. Does, does anybody have a problem with the fall eating? Uh, for me, it's like my birthday happens in September, and so, you know, eating. And then we got Halloween and Halloween candy that seems to linger on for weeks in the house. And, th- and that takes you up to Thanksgiving. And then you've got Thanksgiving food and all that, and then leftovers. And then December hits, and everywhere you go, there's candy and cookies, and, and people are just giving you food. In Louisiana, it's, it's just really bad. And then, you know, by the time I get to January, I usually need to lose about 5 to 10 pounds. And so January kind of brings out these, these tendencies of trying new things. So last year, I tried, I decided I was going to try to be a, a running person, a running man. And, um, and I, I wasn't currently running, <laughs> but I, I got this idea that I would start, and I would start with trying to run five miles and uh <laughs> are there any of you guys in here that you you, you know you decide you're going to exercise and you go to the gym and you just destroy yourself the first day yeah uh, can I get a witness um so I, I kind of decided to go from a person that didn't run unless my life was threatened to a person that ran five miles like like that so I, I went down to the local academy sports you know and and, and I finally found me a pair of shoes, which is no small feat, pardon the pun, because my feet, if you've seen them, they're, they're these very flat kind of large things. They worked great being on the swim team because they're a, a little like flippers, <laughs> but there was a reason I was on the, the, the swim team and not the track team in high school, and uh, so anyway, I, I went down to this uh, place, got me some shoes, and, and I decided I would take the uh, Forrest Gump approach, run, Forrest, run, and just start running, and um, so I get out there one day by the by the levees out in uh, Kenner, and I'm, I'm all warmed up. I'm ready to go, and and I it was a beautiful day. And I noticed down the way there was this 
this group of guys running. There's probably 15 or 20 of them, and they all had like red shorts on, and none of them had shirts on, and looked like a high school cross country team. And I, I didn't pay much attention. I just took off and I started running and you know, doing good. I made it about a mile down, and I get to this little kind of bend in the lake where I was able to kind of look back. Uh, actually, this is Lake Pontchartrain. So, it was, yeah, it was, it was back. Uh, I looked down the way, and, and I saw these guys. They were actually running after me. And I don't know if this is just a guy thing, but if you want to make a guy run fast, just have another person out there. It doesn't even have to be a guy. It can be a little old lady, you know, and and. Uh, all of a sudden, this competitive thing kind of arose in me. I'm like, you know, I still got this. And uh, so I started running. Like, I picked up the pace quite a bit. And I thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay ahead of these guys. Well, that didn't work. That worked for about two minutes. And, and then finally, the herd caught up with me. And I was trying my best to, to at least stay with them. And I, I ended up with the stragglers in the back. And then I tried to stay with the stragglers. And I was doing good for about another 30 seconds. And then they, they were finally... You know, I was doing everything I could just to at least keep them in sight. You know, I was, I was staying within about 30 feet of them. And uh, I was about to die of, like, heat stroke or, or, or something. And then finally they get to the point I guess they were running to, and they turned around. And so they're, they're coming back towards me. And I started acting like, you know, nothing's wrong. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, just, just look like, like, like you're okay. And, you know, these guys don't know you're... You, for all they know, you could be running a marathon. You know, you're on your 12th mile, and that's why you're running at this pace. And uh, that's the things I tried to tell myself. But um, they were probably just scared of the way I looked. But um, anyway, they passed me, and uh, as soon as they got probably another 50 feet down the way, I'm just like, Ugh. I finally just stop. And, and, and somehow that, that competitive, prideful thing in me, that was kind of keeping me from rational thinking and common sense thinking. Finally, that thing shut down and, and, and common sense prevailed. And it's like, dude, you're 36 years old. You haven't been running and, and it's time to just cut your losses. And so there I was, I just standing by the, the side of the path, wheezing. My, my, my side was cramping. My legs were cramping. My shirt, it, it looked like I mean, you can ask Dina. It looked like it had, you know, you'd, like I'd taken it out of the washing machine before the spin cycle, you know. There was no dry spot on it whatsoever. And then my face was like this color of, like, reddish purple, which was not cool because I was wearing a red shirt that day. And, and you, you couldn't even see where the shirt ended and where my neck began. And that was an, that was an awkward thing. And so finally, I, I, I just kind of, you know, ended up having to walk back to the house kind of, defeated that day and and um and i realized that that maybe maybe starting with five miles trying to run with high school students maybe wasn't the best strategy and i say all that to 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 say that i think we have this this weird idea and i don't know if it's just an american idea but we have this idea that we can go uh, you know, in just the flip of a switch, just like, like Forrest Gump, you know, we can just take off running. We can, we can do anything. We live in the land of opportunity, uh, the land of instant success. We have all these, these commercials and infomercials that tell us, man, just, just try our product for two weeks and you'll lose 50 pounds. You'll have six-pack abs in no time. And we believe that stuff. We don't really believe it, but we do believe it. Uh, and, and so I actually thought I could just flip a switch and get where I wanted to go. Well, that wasn't the case. So tonight, kind of as a beginning, I, I want to focus, I want to do a kind of a compare and contrast between me and Drew Brees. 
the contrast is very contrasty. But uh, uh, just another take on, on, on kind of sports and, and discipline, you know, a different approach to it than, than my approach that I tried back in January. But if you, you may have seen this clip online, but this comes from a, sh- a show called um, Sports Science. And basically, uh, it's an eight-minute clip. We're not going to show the whole clip tonight, but uh, we'll have a link to it on the website if you want to check out the whole thing. It's, it's, it's fun to watch. But basically, the, what they're kind of testing here is to see, does an NFL quarterback, uh, is, is he, does he got the same kind of aim that an Olympic archer would have? So they, they put Drew Brees uh, shooting, uh, shooting, uh, that's kind of like a shot, probably if you got hit with it. But uh, throwing this ball at a target, an archery target, 20 yards away from him and trying to hit the bullseye. Now, Olympic archers hit this target about 50% of the time. So that's kind of uh, the, the setup to this clip. So why don't you roll the clip? 20 yards away. Can this NFL quarterback sling it as precisely as a world-class archer? Drew? It's time to take aim. Drew has already hit an amazing six out of six bullseyes, which means if he doesn't hit another one, He's still more accurate than an Olympic archer. Drew's hit nine out of nine. Can he run the table and hit a perfect 10 out of 10? just how accurate Drew was. Amazingly, four of his 20-yard darts hit in the dead center of the bullseye. And Olympic archers? They hit the dead center only once out of every 10 arrows. I kind of have high expectations. I mean, I always wanted to be right in here on a guy. You figure you throw it here, he shouldn't drop it. So how is Drew able to hit the bullseye with such precision? You've done it so many times, it's muscle memory. You're just thinking, you know, get rid of it as quickly as I can. I just, I had to throw a Saints clip in since there's no football game this weekend. Isn't it cool thinking that out of all the teams in the National Football League, there's only two teams that have a game next week. And we have one of them. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I love what, <laughs> I love what Drew Brees says here. They, they ask him, how do you do that? And he says, I don't really think about it. It's muscle memory. It's, it's basically, he's, he's saying it's something that he's done so many times that now it's just natural. He doesn't even have to think about it. And tonight, uh, we're going to talk, uh, you know, we're in this season here at the at the North Shore Vineyard where we're kind of talking about 
ways that we connect to God. And basically the idea is living a connected life. And, and if we can connect to God, then we'll bear spiritual fruit, the good stuff. And, uh, you know, the God kind of fruit in our lives. So last two weeks we were talking about worship. And tonight I wanted to talk about discipline. And so I was going to call the title of this talk, Disciplines of the Christian Life. Not a very great title. And then I was just going to call it discipline. But I realized there's a problem with that word discipline. That's not a very fun word, is it? Discipline, it, it, it either means going to the principal's office uh, maybe you've been disciplined on your job before, or maybe it's an academic thing, like you study a certain discipline, and that just means studying, or, or else it means, you know, kind of, you know, exercise and, and eating right, or, or fiscal discipline, you know, trying to live on a budget. But it's not a very fun word, no matter what particular definition you use of it. So tonight, I've, I've borrowed the, the title from a, a book we actually have out there in, the, uh, in our bookshelf in the other room, Naturally Supernatural. And, and, and I think I wanted to use this title because I think that this, instead of using the word discipline, this kind of is the place we're going with discipline. This is kind of the point of discipline, that just like Drew Brees, he doesn't have to think about throwing that ball anymore, that, that, that in the same way, spiritual things, supernatural things would become natural for us. They'd just become normal. That would be the norm that we live in. So... Tonight, I, I want to look at a text here, and uh, this is uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. The Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, and they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I started with a clip from Drew Brees because I got the idea from the Apostle Paul. He was using sports analogies 2,000 years ago. There were athletes in his day, professional athletes. And Paul is saying, you know, these guys, they, they were actually competing for a crown that was made out of, you know, vines and stuff like that. It was really a perishable thing, you know. It, it, wasn't, it wouldn't last as long as a trophy. It would kind of wilt away. And Paul is saying, these guys who, who do this for a living, they take it seriously. It's their whole life. It's not just that few moments where they're out there, you know, throwing a javelin or, or running or, or boxing. It encompasses their whole life. You know, I guarantee you, Drew Brees, since they won last week's game, I, I'm, I'm sure he celebrated a good bit that day, but I guarantee you that next day, it, it didn't take him long before he was watching videos of the Colts and analyzing it. I guarantee you, in the last few days, he's, he's been uh, formulating plays with, with Sean Payton, you know, ways that they can attack weaknesses of the other team. He's been going over things in his mind. He's been going out on the field. He's been practicing. You know, we get this little... Is it 45 minutes in an NFL game? Is that the time? 60 minutes. Dang, I, I should know that. Uh, we get this little sliver of an hour where they're actually playing on the field, turned into three and a half hours with commercial breaks and everything like that. But this one little, you know, it's, it's actually only an hour that these guys are actually out on the field. And out of that hour, you know, if you're a defensive player, and off, you know, you're not even playing probably 15 to 20 minutes 
uh, out of, you know, if you're lucky, in a whole game. But there's a whole lot that goes into those 15 or 20 minutes a week. It affects the way they eat. It affects the kind of recreational things they do. It, it, it means that these guys abstain from certain things in their life. There's certain things that everybody else does that they don't do because they're taking their craft seriously. And Paul closes this out. He says, I do all this lest the very message that I'm preaching to other people, I get disqualified from it. Let me ask you this. Have you, have you seen anybody, any Christians on TV that have been disqualified in a sense, like they were preaching one thing and then it comes out that uh, they were living something different than what they preached. You ever seen that before? Yeah, I, I could probably pull out a few examples from here in Louisiana. But there's, there's people who preach a message, but they don't discipline their lives. And if they don't do that, you know, I, I guarantee you, I don't think folks like Jimmy Swaggart, I don't think he started out thinking, hmm, I wonder if someday, you know, Ten years down the road, I could, you know, when I get this ministry up and running, then I can start seeing prostitutes. I don't think that was his game plan. But I think there's, there's certain ways that he was living his life down the way that, you know, he wasn't doing like what Paul was saying. Paul is saying, man, I, I take this thing seriously. I don't want to be disqualified. I'm going after the prize. Now, I want to cover two wrong ideas about discipline from the get-go here before we get into the right ideas about it. The first is discipline is the Christian life. There's some people who think that discipline is the life. Um, I, I shared a little bit about this, probably, I think it was last week. You know, my first couple of years as a Christian, I was extremely disciplined. Man, I would wake up every morning. As soon as that alarm clock went off, I'd start reading a devotional. Then I'd read three or four chapters out of the Bible. Then I'd go take a shower and turn on worship music. Then I'd get out of the shower, and I'd pray for an hour. Then I'd go up to church if it was open, and I'd pray with them. And I would I, every time there was an activity or anything going on, I would be there doing that. But within two years of doing that, dude, I was ready to give up. I was like, this is not fun. I told God, I was like, I can't keep doing this. I believe in you, but this is miserable. Why did I come to that conclusion? It's because I thought the life was the disciplines. I thought the disciplines was actually the life, and the life comes from God. The dis- you know, and so in other words, I, I, I was confusing the means and the end. The Pharisees in, in, in the New Testament, they, they were really good at this. In Jesus, in, in John chapter 5, 30, 39 through 40, he says, he's talking to the Pharisees. He says, you diligently search the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. And these are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. What's Jesus saying there? He's saying, you guys, you're doing all these things. You're you're digging into the scriptures like like nobody else. You guys have got all kinds of things going on concerning the spiritual life. Yes, you missed the point. Everything in the Old Testament that you're studying about, it was pointing to me. And you can't even see me in front of your faces. So the first misconception is that disciplines themselves are the life. You can be very disciplined and miss the whole life of God. Disciplines are a means to connect you to life of God. The second, the second thing is, you know, the, other, the ditch on the other side of the road, so to speak, is that discipline gets in the way of the Christian life. Now, if you've ever lived that first kind of mentality and you've gotten free from it, you've probably gotten to the other side of the ditch. I know I did. When I finally started realizing that God just loves me, 
just for who I am. He doesn't, you know, that, that nothing can take away his love for me. Then, then I was like, oh, cool, great. Whew, I'm not doing anything else again. You know, forget reading the Bible. Forget praying. You know, I'm just, God loves me. And, and, and I probably needed to go through a little season of that. But, but there's a lot of Christians who kind of take the Protestant Reformation. You know, Martin Luther, uh, he, he took the words of Paul from, from um, Ephesians. We're saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. And the Protestant Reformation kind of, that was the, the core verse. And, you know, and it's just basically the idea that, you know, we don't need to do anything. We're saved by God's grace alone. And, and, and that's great. But some people have taken that to the extreme of uh, it's just God's grace. We don't need to do anything. And, and, and that's not altogether true. I mean, certainly it's God's grace and in, in, in he saves us. I mean, we, we don't get there on our own. But I think a better way to think of this is kind of relational discipline. Now, this ring here, symbol of, of marriage. I got this ring 12 and a half years ago on my wedding day. Now, what if, as my wife's husband, what if a week after our honeymoon we get home and I say, look what I got. I got this ring, and this ring means that you said you promised to love me till death do us part, no matter what comes our way. So I decided that since you're with me and, and I'm secure in that relationship, that I'm going to sit on the couch for the rest of my life and watch Days of Our Lives. Not that I would do that. Would that be much of a marriage? Would that be much of a relationship? This means no. <laughs> that wouldn't. There's certain things that I do in my relationship with my wife because I value our relationship. I'm not trying to earn her love, but it's because I'm secure in my love with her. You know, it's not because I'm trying to get her to like me, but I'm trying to protect our relationship. So that means I go to work, you know, I try to bring home a paycheck. It means I take out the trash sometimes, probably not enough. It means, you know, we try to go on dates occasionally. We, we try to talk and communicate and, and work things out. That's relational discipline. And I think that's a better way to think of discipline when it comes to our life in God. Discipline is not to get God to love you, it, but it, it, it helps you mature in that relationship. If, if me or my wife, or if you're in a marriage relationship, and, and, and either person in that relationship decides to cast off discipline in your relationship, that's going to be trouble for you. That person will cease to grow in that relationship, it'll shut things down. Well, the same thing can be said for disciplines uh, with us. Just, uh, just as I said last week, worship is our response to God. Same thing as discipline is our response to God. If you start from any other place, you're starting in the wrong place, and you're going to end up in the wrong place. Same goes for um, disciplines. So Paul, the same guy that wrote we're saved by grace, not of works. He also wrote about beating his body into subjection and, and treating it seriously, you know, treating it with an athlete's discipline, his walk with God. So there's not work to get saved, but there's certainly work in relation to God. I want to read another verse from Paul tonight. He's our featured uh, author. Um, Romans 12, 1 through 2. He writes this. You know, we're big time tonight. We've got words on the screen. You like that? Uh, Paul wrote, he said, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Worship. <laughs> worship. Uh, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing 
of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Have you ever heard the saying, maybe you've said this before, man, I just feel like I'm stuck in a rut. Or maybe when things are going good, you say, I'm in the groove. Well, you know, there's a little bit more to that truth than just a a, a saying. You know, your mind actually has ruts and grooves in it, in a sense. (laughs) Your physical, the physical structure of your mind actually changes based on what you do continually. There was a... um, there's been a lot of studies in the field of neurology, uh, particularly the last couple decades, and, and they've, you know, with brain imaging and MRIs, they've been able to, to get a glimpse inside how the mind works. And they've actually realized that your brain doesn't fully develop until you hit about 25 years old. So anybody got teenagers in here? Next time your teenager comes to you acting like they know everything, you can say, your brain's not even fully developed yet, so... Come back in a few years, and, uh, and we'll talk. <laughs> Some of y'all, that's the only thing you're taking home tonight. But, um, but, but this, is why, this is why insurance industries have stumbled across. You know, your insurance rates go down drastically. If you're a guy, when you hit 25, that's because all of a sudden, everything's kind of come together in your mind, and, and you start, you know, thinking as one with a fully formed brain. And... Um, <laughs> really be making some teenagers upset tonight. Um, but there was actually a, a, one neurologist, he wrote this, he said, if a teen, if a teenager is doing music or sports or academics, then those are the cells and connections that are going to be hardwired. If they're lying on the couch, playing video games or watching MTV, those are the cells and connections that are going to survive. You know, that's the way God has made us, that that. You know, over our lives, things get formed by what we are, are consistently absorbing. And, you know, and it, it actually becomes hardwired. Now, it doesn't mean that there's no hope for you. This, this may explain some of the struggles that you have even to this day, though, that you, you think, man, I've been struggling with this stuff ever since I was 18. Well, it may be because, you know, that's the way your mind was forming. But Paul says we need to renew our minds. We need to break out of the pattern of the culture that's pushing in on us and renew our minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, and this is basically what, what Drew Brees was talking about, muscle memory. You know, muscle memory isn't really, has very little to do with your muscles. It's in your mind. It's, it's, it's the connections that your mind does from doing something repetitiously over and over. And you know, I don't think any of us are as talented as Drew Brees during the football tonight. If so, you are in the wrong place. But we all have muscle memory. Do you remember how hard it was when you first started brushing your teeth? Anyone? I don't remember. But there was a time in your life where brushing your teeth was hard. I know because I watched my six-year-old boy, Ezra. You know, the last few years, we kind of started turning him loose, brushing his teeth. And you just get so frustrated as a parent. You're like, oh, man, is he ever going to get it? And you don't realize how hard it is. But it is hard. And and to prove it, you can go home and and try brushing your teeth with your other hand tonight, okay? And see how hard it is. If you're right-handed, brush your teeth with your left hand, and, and, and it'll be weird for you. But at some point, you get to, the, you get to a place where brushing your teeth is, is easy. You don't even have to think about it. You just go and you brush your teeth. Some point after that, I'm not sure when it is with kids. My son sure isn't there yet. <laughs> but at some point, it actually doesn't feel natural to go without brushing your teeth. You know, at some point, you, 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 you start thinking, my mouth feels kind of funky. At some point, you actually start thinking about your effect on other people in conversations. <laughs> And, and, and so now 
it becomes natural to just get up every morning and brush your teeth. You know, it just becomes natural. The, the muscle memory is there, and then it, it's actually a natural thing. You know, when I started playing guitar, I was about 20 years old, and I've been playing piano since I was, you know, a little kid. But when I started playing guitar, man, it was weird. There's probably some of you in here who've tried playing the guitar before. Most people give up in the first couple of months because your fingers hurt. They start bleeding. It, you know, it, it's awkward trying to hold you know, the chords and change the chords. And then you've got trying to strum at the same time. And it's, it's, it's like when your computer screen, when you've got too many things open up and you get that little ball <laughs> or, or, or thing up on the screen, that's, it's it, processor overload. It's like that. But after a while, it gets to where... It becomes more natural. You know, now when I, I sing, play the guitar, I don't really think about what I'm doing much. It's just natural. I'm freed up. And, and this is what I want to get to today with, with the spiritual disciplines. You know, my, Drew Brees, he says, I don't think about what I'm doing. I just, it's just muscle memory. I, I see the target and I throw it and it hits it. And it hits it pretty doggone good. Well, that means that his mind is freed up now to deal with Three defenders who've broken through the offensive line. His mind is three, filled up, freed up to deal with the stress and the attacks that are coming against him. And now he can take that very same ball and pick out, you know, within the fraction of a second, he can pick out which of his uh, wide receivers is open and throw the ball and land it in that little space in their chest so they can catch it. Well, the same way for us as we become more disciplined in our spiritual life, we establish a normal level in our life. A, a, a nat- you know, we become naturally supernatural. You know, when I first came to Christ as an adult, man, my natural kind of default mode was anger and lust and jealousy, you know? I mean, pride, arrogance. I mean, that was, that was normal. That was my normal reaction. Somebody pulls out in front of me on the road. You know, it wasn't, you know, God bless them. <laughs> it was, it's on, you know, and, uh, uh, that was, and, 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 and then when things would happen in my life, you know, my, my normal answer to those things was to get mad, upset, go into addictions. You know, that, that was my normal way of thinking. Well, as I become a Christian, now i got to renew my mind. And the point where God's going with all this, with the spiritual disciplines, it's not just so you can say at the end of the year, man, I'm reading my Bible three chapters a day, check. Or, you know, I went to church every day this, this year without being tardy or without being absent, you know. It, that, that's not the point. The point is that at some point, the natural inclination of your life is to listen to God. That's just normal. Like, like throughout your day, you're listening for what God's saying. That just becomes your normal way of living. That when somebody pulls out in front of you, it doesn't throw you into a tailspin. <laughs> you know, you, you, you don't try to go beat them up. Or it doesn't drive you to going out to the bar tonight to get drunk. No, your normal way of living is from God's life. And then that way you can deal with the things that are coming against you, like these guys breaking through the offensive line. You know, the, the Bible uses two words, one for sin, and the word for sin, is, is, the definition is, is missing the mark. You know, it's, it's, it's not hitting that target. You know, it's kind of shooting out to the side. But th- there's also a word in the Old Testament called iniquities, and the word iniquity means to bend. You ever seen somebody with a bent, 
in their life. They're just bent toward, you know, it's just like they just, oh. well, that's that's kind of the way all of us are before we meet God, man. I'm just driven to this stuff. I don't know why. It's like, you know, the alignment on your car. If you have bad alignment, your car pulls one way. That's iniquities. You know, you're driving down the road, and you, it's like, why do I keep wanting to do this stuff? I don't know. It just seems like I'm drawn to this. That's iniquities. That's sin, missing the mark. When we renew our mind, God starts to straighten out the alignment. And, and, and he sets up a new normal, a new normal in our lives, a new natural. I, I know we could probably do a poll here. You probably do it a poll in any church. And if people would really be honest, you, you know, how much are you reading the Bible? How much are you prying? Praying, prying. How much are you prying? Um, <laughs> prying, praying. I'm prying a lot. I'm not. <laughs> uh, I, I think if we did a poll, we'd find out that a lot of people struggle with the Bible. A lot of people struggle with prayer. A lot of people struggle with a lot of things concerning the spiritual life. It's intimidating. It's, it's, it's not easy. You don't know where to start. And, and, and maybe like going to the gym, you've, you've tried these things where, you know, you've tried to go from not being a guy that reads the Bible to a guy that reads the Bible five chapters a day. And, you know, and, and, and you just can't get there. So tonight, you know, before we close, I did prepare. Um, Brian, you want to kind of, well, you can pass those to a table and pass it to the next table. Um, I prepared a little exercise for us to do in the coming week that involves prayer and reading the Bible, but it involves a really small part of the Bible, two verses. Anybody can do two verses? And guess what? These are two verses for the whole week. It's not even like two verses one day and two verses the next day. It's two verses, and it's the two verses we looked at tonight. But the idea here, this comes from, can I get one of those, by the way? Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, but the idea here is just, some, just to take a little small step towards encountering God in your everyday life. You know, a few years ago, probably a year and a half after Katrina, I realized that if something didn't change in my life, I was probably going to die prematurely. I'd, I'd been in... Um, that mode that everybody in, in the New Orleans area and probably on the North Shore got into after Katrina where everything was just, yeah, you got to get it done. And, and I was, you know, I was working a lot of hours and, and then I ended up being a barbecue guy at the church. And so I, I cook like tons of barbecue. And because I was cooking tons of barbecue, I was eating tons of barbecue. <laughs> um, and so you do a year and a half of, of eating barbecue four or five times a week, and, and I wasn't doing any exercise. And, and you know, I was, I was getting to a point where I just I felt bad all the time. And I was like, I knew, like, I was, something was, you know, bad, bad was going to happen to me very early. And uh, so I decided I was going to go to the gym. I got a membership to the gym one January about four years ago. But this time I decided, you know, this typical approach that I have of, you know, kind of just trying to go from doing nothing to, you know, being crazy with it has not served me very well. I'm going to try something different. And so my approach I took was I'm going to go to the gym one day a week. I'm not going to let myself go more than one day a week, even though that's kind of my inclination when I start anything. I'm just going to go one day a week. And I'm going to try to do that for two months. And if I can be faithful with that, then I'll allow myself to go two days a week. And so I did. 
And so after two months, I managed to do it once a week. So I'm like, yeah, cool. So I added a, you know, and, and honestly, those first two months, I didn't see any change. I mean, if anything, I started putting on more weight because I was working up an appetite, you know. And uh, I'm like, I don't know how this is working. I wasn't feeling a whole lot better, but I was, I was starting to be consistent. And so after two months, I added another day. So I got up to two days a week, and I stayed faithful with that. You know, after about six months, I was up to three days, sometimes even four days a week. That was four years ago, and I've managed to, to, to keep that up the last four years and, and not stop. That, that was the first time in my life that I ever succeeded in that. But the idea, you know, even, even with going to the gym, it took probably about two years before it actually started feeling natural, though. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it still didn't, you know, it took about two years. It's like brushing your teeth. It, it, it finally took getting to a certain point where it felt more awkward to not go, you know. Like, anybody feel awkward if you don't brush your teeth? Yeah. And your friends feel awkward. <laughs> but I think that's the same thing with spiritual disciplines. And, and, and so I've prepared this thing here. It's just a, a simple exercise based on Romans 12. And, and I've got the message translation uh, here because I find, I find the message is really good for devotional kind of stuff. It's, there's better Bibles to study uh, if you're going to dig into Scripture. But, but basically the idea with this is that we'll start off reading Romans 12, 1 through 2. I'll read it right now. It says... So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. The idea with these two verses is that you could just take 10 minutes at the start of your day. You don't even have to do it every day. Just take two or three days this week and and maybe write down tonight what days you're going to do so you can at least kind of have a game plan. But maybe sit down 7 o'clock in the morning, get a cup of coffee, and say, I'm going to take... Ten minutes. The pizza's here, by the way. You may want to tell your wife. I think she's got the card. Um, but start at the beginning of your day and write down on your piece of paper, I'm starting at 7 o'clock. I'll be done at 7.10. And don't let yourself go beyond 7.10. As much as you'll be tempted to. As much as you'll be tempted to maybe spend an hour there. Just just stay there for ten minutes with it. And read that verse. And then read it a second time through quietly, slowly. And just ask God to, to show you something and see what sticks out to you. And you know what? I bet you you're going to start hearing God's voice speak to you through the scriptures. Basically, you just, I, I've put a prayer there based on that scripture. I've just turned that, that, those two verses into a prayer. And this is how you'd end the time. You'd say, God, I take my life, my ordinary life, and everything it entails today, sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around, and I place it before you as an offering. I embrace what you have done for me and what you continue to do in me. Help me this day to not simply go in the flow of the culture around me, but instead to pay attention to you and all things. Change me, Lord, from the inside out. Help me to recognize what you want from me and to quickly respond to your will. Bring out the best in me today as you make me more like you. So this is it. That, does that sound too hard? And basically, I've got a little thing there for you to do in the evening. So you do 10 minutes in the morning. 10 minutes in the evening before you go to bed and you just reflect on your day and you say, God, 
how did I encounter you today? And you just think about that. That's it. But you know, it's, it's just taking little small steps like this that, that help change us to be naturally supernatural. You'll find, as you do, even some little thing like this, over a few weeks, you'll, be, you'll, you'll find you beginning to notice God, to listen to him. Even when you look back on your day, I've noticed this plenty of times. I look back on my day. I wasn't even necessarily conscious of God in a real conscious sense, but I can look back over my day and I say, wow, God, I see where you were moving in that conversation. I see how you were doing things right there. So it's just basically training us for a new kind of normal to be naturally supernatural. So y'all want to do that? That's your homework for the week. I know you don't come to church for homework, but too bad. Uh, and if you lose this, I'll put it online. Um, I'll just say a quick word of prayer, and we'll get started with uh, our newcomers thing tonight. And so, God, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives, God. We pray that our norm could be listening to you, living from your life, God, that that could be natural to us. So I just pray a blessing upon everybody in here um, that, that, that you would help us in that. And we just ask you to, to continue to, to bless the rest of the evening as we uh, do this newcomer's dinner and, uh, and the food tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.